Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in prospects and props post draft edition and we are reviewing the draft classes it is the Tuesday edition of the show Jamie and I have traveled back to our respective homes and we are ready to dive in and review all of the draft classes over the span of the next eight episodes yes each of the next eight episodes is going to see us go division by division and recap all of the team's individual draft classes. So these are going to be some meaty episodes. There's going to be a lot of things to discuss here. Um, and we are going to kick it off with the AFC East. And Jamie feels only apropos to begin this um, series by looking at the team that won each division as the starting points. So we're going to go in standings order. So we'll start with the Buffalo Bills. I will read their draft class, and then I will kick it to you for your biggest takeaways, and we can have a conversation from there. So the Buffalo Bills, in the first round, select Dalton Kincaid. Second round, select Osiris Torrance. Third round, pick up Dorian Williams. The fifth round, Justin Shorter. Nick Brocker in round seven, and Alex Austin in round seven as well. So those are the seven, the six players, the six players that will be joining the Buffalo Bills uh, this offseason as part of their rookie draft class. Yeah, it, it, so I, I think the first note there is is we spent most of the offseason trying to figure out where Buffalo would go with their first-round pick. Would they add a tight end or would they add a wide receiver? Would they add to their offensive line? Maybe their defensive line? So we kind of went back and forth on this, but uh, them hopping Dallas for Dalton Kincaid uh, was very interesting. And I know you and I had different discussions about who would be the first tight end off the board. And and I was inclined to believe it was Dalton Kincaid, you know, maybe as early as the Packers pick, which was 13 picks before this trade up. But uh, look, they need more pass catchers. And I know they have Darson Knox there, but I think they're going to use Dalton Kincaid as more of a big slot type option for them to, to mix in with Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, et cetera, there. Uh, I think it's a solid pick uh, at that spot for them. You know, or Sirens Torrance, there's, there's been some mixed reviews, you know, about what his long-term future could potentially be. But as a late second-round pick in an area of need for Buffalo, I really like it. Um, you know, there, there's some interesting picks here as we get a little bit deeper. I, I thought Dorian Williams was maybe, even though it's position of need, was a little early in round three. Uh, the, I would not have the taken The Bills taking Justin an Shorter. early linebacker? No, I've never seen it. I've never seen him do it. I know, like Justin Shorter, I thought there were better receivers on the board, but uh, I like the Flyers too in the seventh. I think, you know, Nick Broker as a potential, you know, he's going to come in as a guy that's going to fight for a spot in camp, but maybe as a potential depth lineman down the road, I, I like. And same thing with Alex Austin, you know, the the Oregon State quarterback. I, I think that is a pretty solid value for him. I like the traits that he brings to the table as a potential developmental option. So um, we're not going to give out letter grades or anything. That, for what? that, our scouts had, are doing. I, I was prepared. I had. I have a big list. Well, well, if you want to do that, that's great. No, but I would I, like I, to direct was, our folks. I was just kidding. I don't have letter grades ready to go. Good. I'd like you to default, default our folks over to the Draft Network Instagram account where all of our – where uh, DP, Keith, et cetera, of our scouting team are handing out grades for every single team. So you can get their take on it in letter grade form. But – you know, Chris, to, to me, I, you know, I, I think the first two picks are pretty solid for them. And uh, I think it was a, you know, it wasn't a draft I was blown away with, but uh, they did what they needed to do. 
I think that's the way that I would describe it is those first two picks, I think, are going to pack the punch of this entire draft class, right? I think those two are the players that are, are going to be of the most immediate impact. And I think the important thing here, Jamie, when we discuss this, is we need to look at this through the lens of where the Buffalo Bills are. They are looking for players that can help them right now in this window with Josh Allen, right? Not just this season, but in this era of Josh Allen being their quarterback for the length of his contract. And so they're going to need Dalton Kincaid and Osiris Torrance uh, to be able to be productive members of their teams pretty early. The Kincaid pick... It, it, on the surface, can look a little weird because you start asking yourself the question of, are they going to go 12 personnel to get both him and Dawson Knox on the field? That feels a little weird. It feels very counter to what they do. In order to be able to run 12 personnel pretty effectively, they're going to have to be able to run the ball to have people respect yep. the running game, and we know that that's been a struggle for them. So I think the implementation of Dalton Kincaid is going to be an interesting one. You threw out a potential scenario in which they can use Kincaid more as a kind of inline receiver a little bit more than having him line up traditionally as a tight end uh, – with his hand in the dirt. That'll be interesting to see. I also find it very interesting, and this won't be the only team player that we have this this scenario play out with, but it's always funny to me to see a team take a guy in the second round that I know at one point I had mocked to them in the first round in some version of what I yeah. was doing. Like, we all talked about Osiris Torrance being a fit for them at 26, and they just get him around later, and it's always weird to me. Even though it's good value, it's just always weird to me to see yep. that. So I think I would describe this. We're not doing letter grades. I would say average, if we're going to use terms like that. I think this is just an average draft class. And again, I think it's those first two picks that are going to lead the way for this team. We move on. Uh, to the team that finished second in this division this year and a team that only had four picks, so not many picks for us to discuss here. Uh, it's the Miami Dolphins. Cam Smith, corner from South Carolina. Devon A-Chain, running back from Texas A&M. Elijah Higgins, wide receiver from Stanford. And Ryan Hayes, OT from Michigan. It's an interesting class to look at. And, um, I mean, look, there's not a lot to work with here because there's not a lot of picks. But, you know, Cam Smith in the second, I think that it's appropriate value. You start to look at where that corner position could be for Miami long term. And this is a long term potential ad for them. Uh, you know, Devin A. Chain can add to the – again, speed. Speed, 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 speed. McDaniels is going to add more speed on the field. You start to look for potential longer term options. I don't think A. Chain is going to be a, a bell cow for them down the road. But, you know, they, they brought back their guys from last year on short term deals. But you do need a long term option. Um, I'm going to stop there for a quick second because I, I, I think this is where we can have the conversation about should what, should Miami be looking to find instant contributors with these two picks? Because these are the only two picks you had on the, on the first two days of the draft. And I don't dislike the two players that they got. I also don't see a path where either one of them are making a big impact in year one, Chris. Uh, I, I think it's a very fair question, right? They bring in Jalen Ramsey, right? Xavier uh, Howard's still there. So where's Cam Smith fit in the corner room in year one? We know... Mike McDaniel, part of the Kyle Shanahan tree, there is no bell cow workhorse. One back takes a bunch of the workload. So Devon A-Chain might have a role, and he might be able to be on the field, but is he going to be able to be uber productive in a system that is kind of counterintuitive to be uber productive? And to me, Jamie, I think you're, you're echoing a very good point here of this team didn't have a first-round pick. They got it taken from them. They are a team that... I think we all feel can be a player in the AFC, but there is a gap that they need to fill, and I don't know if they necessarily filled it. I think they needed a tight end to fit their system, and I know Elijah Higgins may or may not be able to kind of fill that role. I'm not really sold on that. I thought they needed help on the interior of their offensive line. They didn't really address that. Those are a couple of areas that I thought they could have helped with, and so to me, I look at this, Jamie, and I don't see immediate impact help right away. This is kind of like a draft for 
2024 in some ways, and that's not going to be the only yeah. team in this division that we had that conversation with, but this felt a little odd to me. Again, not bad players. Cam Smith and Devon H. good players. Talking of the 2023 Dolphins, I don't know where they fit in. Yeah, and, and you, look, you, you have needs on the offensive line and you have a glaring need at tight end. And, and I kind of expected both those needs to be addressed earlier in the draft. And, you know, they addressed them in round six and round seven. But I, I, here's the thing, like Elijah Higgins in round six, I think he, he's still a developmental tight end. He hasn't really played traditional tight end. I think we all have expected and we've heard pretty much since the senior bowl where he worked out with the tight ends at times that – this was going to be a transition, but is Elijah Higgins is not somebody you're going to bring in and expect to contribute maybe even in year two as he continues to, to make that transition to anything significant. Ryan Hayes is worth a flyer there in round seven, but to me, I, I feel like, and again, you don't always need to add to this year. We'll talk about that when we get to the next team. You don't always need to, you know, add next two teams, I should say. You don't need to add talent this year to have a good draft per se, but I feel like they added to areas that are already pretty full in a draft where you didn't have a lot of capital to address needs. Now, again, we'll see what they maybe have planned here. You know, as of right now, as of last night, you could start signing free agents again that don't count against your compensatory uh, formula for next year. But I, again, I feel like they... It's not like they didn't have players on the board at either of those spots to address areas of need, and they passed on them for players that I like, but not players I thought were really integral for them this year. And in the case of Devin H.A., not someone I think you really even needed to take. Like, I don't really think you need to take a running back there at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, I mean, look, when you only have four picks, it's not going to draft. It's The grades aren't going to be great, but... Uh, I, I, I give this, if, just to use your term, below average. Below average. Uh, I, am, I, I am unenthused with this draft. And it's, uh, to me, I think they only got, uh, even of their two top picks, I only think one of them was a good value. I think A-Chain's fine where they got him, but I don't think that's a value pick even. So, uh, not love. Well, I found where all the picks went in the AFC East. They belong to the next team, the New England Patriots, who made a lot of them. Christian Gonzalez in the first, Keon White in the second, Marte Mapu in the third, Jake Andrews, Chad Ryland, and City Sow in the fourth, Antonio Mafe in the fifth, four sixth-round picks, Kayshawn Boutte, Bryce Barringer, Demario Douglas, and Amir Speed, and then they end it with a seventh-round selection in Isaiah Bolden. And Jamie, if we stop this conversation after, let's say, their first three picks, I'd like this. But we take a kicker, we take a punter, and we take players that I don't know how they kind of fit into this team. So, I'm kind of I'm not sold on this one. On this. Okay. I'm going to push back a little bit on this. And I, and I know if you check the scouting grades from, from our scouts on the Draft Network Instagram that I mentioned earlier, there's another cheap plug. Uh, they didn't like this class. They gave this class a C minus. Well, you know, you're giving I away the grades. Five seconds ago, you're like, uh, hey, everybody, one. go over there, check the I grades. Out, and then you just gave one away. That's like I saying that's like saying Mick Foley's going to win the world title on the other show when no, you send no, people Chris, to go to the like, other show. No, Chris, it's like going to Costco on the weekend and getting a new product and, and a nice person hands you a sample that gave one of the nuggets away from whatever product that you have. And maybe you like it. You want to go try it. All right, fair enough. Uh, but okay. But, but but to your point, Chris, I, I think this is this is a tale of two drafts, as you said. There's days one and two, and then there's, there is the cacophony of picks on day three. Christian Gonzalez falls into their lap. That's a phenomenal pick. Falls, in, great... falls into the lap twice at 14, and then they moved out, yeah. and then he fell into the lap again at 17. And he's not only a, a player I think was 
underdrafted relative to his talent. It's a great fit for New England style of defense. I think that is an instant starter right away. Keon White, round two, liked the pick there as well. I know he got invited to the draft, and that was the running joke of, you know, where can we find him in the first round? But that's an appropriate value. He's a really solid player. Marte Mapu, I know a lot of people don't know about him. This guy is really, really good from what from a lot of the NFL people that I've talked to. I know he went to Sacramento State. He's a little bit of a linebacker safety hybrid. We'll see where he ends up playing on the next level. But this this very much has that Kyle Duggar-like feel mm-hmm. for Bill Belichick. So I like those picks. It is a complete mixed bag on day three. Um, I like the Jake I'm Andrews not, pick. Kind of. I don't. I don't. It's fine. Um, Chad Ryland, I think, is fine as a kicker. I don't think you needed to take him in round four, although there will, the, he wasn't the first kicker on the board. City, uh, City Sal, okay. Antonio Mafia thinks a good value there in round five. I am all for taking a shot on Keishon Butte in round six at uh-huh, that point. I'd agree with that. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Bryce Berenger, okay, it's. Uh, we can't take. Whatever, I'm sorry. We can't six. give a. We can't give a class a good grade when you take two specialists. I can't. I can't get there. When you have a thousand picks, I can't. You can't take a kicker and a punter and expect me to be like, oh, great draft. We got I, other I, needs I this, here. I give this slightly above average. So right now you would That's have that. Goal. You would have New England as the best draft class of this division, and we're going to do that at the end here. Because we went average below yeah, average, and so then you far, went slightly so above far, average. So far, yes. I think I think they're getting knocked because they took a kicker and a punter, and people aren't aren't talking about the, the great picks. Right, that they've, I think they've you're. Earlier. I think you're giving them credit for volume that I don't think should be there. No, I'm not giving them credit for volume. I'm not hurting them because of the volume. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. Yeah, but if you make a bad pick, because, then you make a bad pick. I don't know. I also see that they made great picks in round five and six at times in my mind. So. And they nailed their first. They nailed all their top. Their first picks. three picks are good, right? The top 100 picks are, are solid. And, and again, I, I don't mind the Jake Andrews pick. So their first four uh, would get a glaring grade from me. I just the the second part of this, I just don't necessarily love. I don't. Love it's it. round. It, it's round four that bothers you, right? It's not the sixth round punter. It's the Chad Ryland and City Sal early in the fourth. That's yeah, the like I don't. I don't hate the two Do flyers. Do you really care if they take a punter with their seventh or eighth? Or no, fourth? and I don't. I, six, seven, ninth pick, and I, it's round six. Right. I don't hate the three flyers in the back half. I don't love it, but that middle area, like we could, we could do so much better than what we accomplished there. I think. Okay. But I, I, I'm on the limb. Apparently, you, you are with our, you are in lockstep with the staff. We close out by discussing the New York Jets, and then I guess I guess we're gonna have oh, to rank nice. these. I guess we're gonna have to rank these, and I gotta tell yeah, you, you, I don't love decided. this. I don't love this because this is not an easy division to rank here in terms of draft classes. Uh, the Jets in round one took Will McDonald. In round two, Joe Tipman. Round four, Carter Warren. In round five, Israel Abanacanda. Zaire Barnes and Jarek Bernard Converse in round six, and Zach Kuntz in round seven. All right, so th- this is a very interesting draft. Because by interesting you mean terrible, right? I can't say it's terrible. I hate it. I hate this draft class. I know, I know you do. And Jets fans I, and, and gonna, Jets fans love this class, and I do not understand. I, I, I will cede a lot of my time okay. to you, so I'll just look, I'll get sure. my part out because I know you have thoughts. Uh, Will McDonald in the first is LOL. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, there there are a lot of people that are defending it, and he's well. His rawness was. Uh, there's a lot of projection going on with Will McDonald in the top 15, and I, I don't. This is feel. This was a panic pick. Sorry, you didn't get Broderick Jones. Uh, Joe Tipman, I love. He's going to be. I think he's your. He's your week one starter at center. Uh-huh. Uh, 
uh, for the Jets. Uh, really like that here. Carter Warren, I think, is absolutely a worthy potential project as a high-end backup. Maybe a guy that can end up being a starter for you in a couple years coming out of him in the fourth round. Um, Israel Abandicanda. Love the player. Makes no sense. Don't know why they did this. Absolutely. You want to talk about adding players for just the sake of adding players? Don't get this. And I know I know it's going to be a key point for you, Chris, so don't jump in yet. Uh, and then we're, we're dealing all with late picks. I like the fact they just took a flyer on Zach Kuntz. I mean, it's a, it's a crowded tight end room, but like in the seventh round with that athletic profile, you take a chance, maybe stick them on your practice squad, see what happens down the road. Um, this is this is a – I give it slightly below average uh, for me. Uh, this – this is I, I'll have to see where I want to put this one versus Miami uh, on the classes when we, we start talking about ranks. But uh, outside of the the Tipman pick, uh, and I, I think Tipman and Warren are fine. You know, in the second and fourth. Outside of that, um, man, I, I'm I'm not sure I love it. But uh, I will cede my time to you, Chris, because I know you have heavy thoughts on this. There's one starter among all of these draft picks, one, and it's Joe Tipman. Yes. And for a team that is in a win-now, push the chips in the middle, to come out of a draft class with one starter. And oh, by the way, the reason why Will McDonald is not a starter is because of the way this team chooses to utilize pass rushers and that they want to have a rotation. And so they know that going in, and yet they still made the selection of Will McDonald to pick number one. And to your point, Jimmy, about it being a projection, they are taking him out of the four-eye roll and putting him in a wide nine spot because they believe he'll be able to be more productive out there. Well, they're doing that, and they're going to add him to a rotation of Carl Lawson of Bryce Huff, of Jermaine Johnson, of Michael Clemens, of John Franklin Myers that we know they are not going to always be on the field. So you took a first-round pick on a guy that is not going to is not going to get the majority of snaps at his position this season. And a top 15 pick. This is not pick 28, right. 29. Top 15 pick. 15. Top 15 pick on a guy that's not going to see the majority of snaps at his position. This was a pick for 2024. This is a pick for when Carl Lawson and Bryce Huff are gone. That is what this pick was about. And I, I said it to you. I've said it before when people have asked me about the, Jeff, the, the Jets draft class in general. You're, you can make this pick. You better be damn sure that you're the GM and the coach that are overseeing the 2024 team if you're going to make a pick like this. And they have put all their chips in the middle of Aaron Rodgers leading them to a successful season and leading them to the playoffs. But if this team struggles because of injury, because of underperformance, because of advanced age of Aaron Rodgers, because of wearing down, and they miss the playoffs, guess what? Robert Sala is not going to be able to use Will McDonald the way that he needs to be used. And that's a problem. Yeah. Joe Tippman, yeah. the starting center. They signed Connor McGovern to a one-year deal. Basically, it's a stopgap. He's going to be that veteran assurance. Joe Tippman will be the opening day starter, in my opinion, come week one. Carter Warren, great. This is exactly what you did with Max Mitchell a year ago. You took a flyer on an offensive tackle late as a projection. The, the reason why Max Mitchell was there was because of his size. The reason Carter Warren is here is because of the injury profile, right? And so you take a flyer yeah. on a guy that could be a swing tackle for you, that could get you out of a pinch if you need. Israel Vandekanda is the worst pick of this draft class. And it is not Israel Abanikana's fault. Israel Abanikana is a very good player. But you have Brees Hall, you have Michael Carter, and you have Zonovan Knight all on this team. And Zonovan Knight, and I know people might laugh at the idea of, oh, Chris talking about Zonovan Knight, undrafted free agent for this team. Guess what? Zonovan Knight was better than Michael Carter when Brees Hall went down in the second half of last year when they gave Zonovan Knight the opportunity to play. He was the best running back on the Jets roster. No offense to Ty Johnson, uh, no offense to, to Michael Carter, but Zonovan Knight was the best running back the Jets had. So you're going to walk into this season with Israel Abanikana, Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter as your three guys in the running back room. And then when Brees Hall comes back, what happens? So whether or not Israel Bandicanda is good or not, you are inviting him into a room where we just talked about this with Devon Achain, where we know what type of system these teams like to run. 
There's not going to be opportunity. And if you made this pick for the six to eight weeks that you might not have Brees Hall because you want a home run here in Israel Banacanda, I can't get on board with making a draft selection for six to eight weeks. And if you didn't, if you did it because you wanted to add a player like that to your room, where's the opportunity coming from? Is it going to come at the expense yeah. of Michael Carter? Is it going to come at the expense of Zonovan Knight? Like, again, I can't. We had other needs. They needed a linebacker. They needed a safety. They needed a lot of other help that I don't feel that they got to help their team out when they are in a win now window. And instead, I think they used a bad pick, um, a, a pick here on a player that's good, but I don't think they're going to be able to get uh, the most out of that player. And then again, I think after that, a bunch of flyers. Um, yeah, I think Bernard Converse might profile more as a safety for them at the next level at safety depth uh, and Zach Kuhn's athletic profile uh, to me he feels like a guy that's going to ultimately get put on their practice squad they have uh, yeah. t- Tyler Conklin they have CJ Ozoma and they have Jeremy Ruckett who they took with a day day two pick a year ago so to me I don't know I if Zach Kuhn even makes the roster and did they take a flyer in Kenny Yaboa as well in some capacity I don't remember like so like yes. I mean there's 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 it's a uh, it, there's like the veterans and it's a very young group of players. But again, in the seventh round, like you you could pick me in the seventh round. Right, I'm not going to complain about it, like, right? And like, I just don't yeah. he, I just don't think he's going to be on the team this year. Now again, they might cut bait on yeah. Conklin or anybody or somebody like that and move on. But to me, I think Ruckert's going to get every opportunity to be the tight end too this year, as he should. Yeah, as he should. But yeah, so okay, Chris. So uh, I I feel good about my rankings now uh, of this class. I I have I have my I have my four. I'll read them to you while you, while you while you effort over to looking. Uh, I would say that there is no great draft class. No, these are all at best opinion. slightly above average. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go New England one, Buffalo two, the Jets three, and Miami four. With the acknowledgement that these range from blah to it's all right. I'm going to go Buffalo one. Because I like the two players they got at the top. I think out of all of these classes, those are the two best players, I think. I feel pretty confident confident in that. I'm going to go New England, too, because I like what they did overall through the first two days. Yeah. I'm going to go Miami, three, and I'm going to go the Jets, four. That's the way that I would stack it up. Now, you could put these in any order, and I, and I think I would be like, sure, I understand. Yeah, for, for the most part. So These so are not good. Feel- these are not great draft classes. These are not. No, and, and so I, I think we need to end all of these segments and uh, by just saying, do we feel any differently about any of these teams now okay. than when we did the win review show? And not necessarily we're looking for a different number of wins or anything like that, but is there any team we feel significantly better or worse post-draft? And for this division, just basically where we said it was, I don't really feel any different about anybody. I'll, I'll say like this. Everybody's- I'll say this kind about of what they should be. New England. I think New England did a very nice job of entertaining the idea of we have to get better on defense. We know our limitations on offense. We don't have Aaron Rodgers. We don't have Josh Allen. We don't yeah. have Tua. We need to be the first three picks were all defensive players. The idea yes. of we need Christian Gonzalez to be able to take out Stephon Diggs for two games a season. We need Christian Gonzalez to be able to shadow either Tyreek Hill or yep. Jalen Waddell. We need somebody to take care of Garrett Wilson. That's what that pick is about. Keon White, yeah. let's get after these quarterbacks. Keon White, mm-hmm. let's make it difficult for them. Mar- uh, Marte Mapu, a Swiss Army knife that we can put all over the place to be able to t- handle Dalton Kincaid, that we be able to handle Dawson Knox, to be able to handle the tight ends that the Jets have, right? These are chess pieces. So from that perspective, I think New England did a very nice job of understanding 
where they are, understanding who they are, and leaning yep. into that to try to make themselves better. Again, I still don't have them as the top team in this division. I think they're going to be fourth by proxy because the other three teams just have great quarterback play. But again, I think New England leaned in to who they are, and I think yep. that's going to make them a more competitive team in 2023. I agree. I agree. But... Uh... Yeah, I kind of feel the same about this team as all four of these teams as I did before. Uh, it's going to be an exciting division because I think New England isn't terrible, but they're clearly the worst team in the in this division. The the Jets with Aaron Rodgers are going to be frisky. The Dolphins at times last year looked elite. What are they going to get from Tua this year? And Buffalo's and Buffalo, it's interesting because I wonder when the pressure starts to get onto them because. They are now well past the it's a fun story. We're excited. Buffalo's back to being good again. You got to break. And last year was the first year where I think they actually disappointed people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you get an opportunity to disappoint people too often and still be that team until people kind of like you're no longer that that fun loving team that people like. And, you know, and, and then that does that seep into some of those that might be more predisposed in that locker room to cause some drama. So. We shall see uh, what happens with them, but I still think they're the best team in that division. But their uh, their window is still now, and I don't think they want to lose that out. But I still feel the same about these teams. But yeah, I, I, I think there are some, like you said, Christian Gonzalez feels like an instant contributor uh, for this te- for these teams. You know, Dalton Kincaid could be an instant contributor, although again, always temper expectations for year one tight ends. You know, it, it is a transition to the NFL that that, that does take some time. Joe Tippmann's going to start for the Jets, but that's really it. Like, I don't see a lot of instant contributors in this division right away, which doesn't, again, doesn't make it a bad draft by any means, but mm-hmm. doesn't change the way I feel about the 2023 version of the AFC East. Yeah, and again, I think there's there, there's not a lot of immediate impact for some of these teams um, that we talk about. Uh, the NFC East on tomorrow's show, and I think there's going to be yep. a lot more fun to be had there thinking about in my head, the way some of those draft classes uh, worked out. I think there's going to be a little bit more fun conversation there uh, on tomorrow's show. So that's what you have looking forward to uh, for the next eight days. Some of these are going to be longer because teams have more picks. There's more to discuss. Uh, We kick it off here with the AFC East. Uh, I think these teams left a lot to be desired and left a lot on the table. So we'll see how the rest of this draft class series goes. But yeah, we're going to review all of them. We're going to rank them, and we'll see if it changes our mind about any of these teams moving forward for 2023. I think that's a fun little wrinkle uh, to close things out. So appreciate everybody that consumed all the coverage that we had um, for draft week last week. Appreciate every single person uh, clicking on a scouting report, watching a YouTube video, watching a Twitter video, watching the TDN Daily Live, watching the prospects and prop stuff, anything that we uh, put out there. We appreciate everybody uh, consuming all the content uh, and we greatly do appreciate it. Hope everybody has a great rest of their Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. NFC East draft draft class recap. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.